Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book 3 Fire, Chapter 16, The Southern Raiders. Mm. We are so close to the end. Mm. We have six more? I think that's right. I think the finale is five, and then we have uh, we have one episode before the finale, and then I think the finale is four five episodes so mm. did you have any idea what this episode was about based on the title no um the so this is interesting because the netflix like the you know they have like cover art for each episode mm. and the cover art was um hakoda but it looked like he was in the south pole so i will say i think my daughter got this right she predicted a flashback and we definitely got flashbacks. This is um, this is definitely an episode that is um, about lots of things. It's 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 actually it's interesting. It's an interesting episode about ethics and morality. Um, it's about forgiveness and revenge. Um, it's about memory. I mean, we get to, it's and and how uh, kind of point of view without it being sort of a Rashomon situation where we see things replayed but different pieces are added to those memories depending on whose point of view it is. So we're going to see the same story three times uh, in this episode, which I think is, is, is interesting. Um, and it raises some, some pretty, pretty good questions. I think it's also an episode which speaks to the growth of characters um, in some pretty interesting ways. Yeah. Yes. And it brings up questions because I feel like since we're so close to the last four parter uh, finale, it seems like um, for the last couple episodes, there hasn't been much talk of like what happens in the end. Mm -hmm. You know, there hasn't been much discussion of what is, how is Aang preparing other than we see little bits and pieces of him doing firebending with, uh, with Zuko. Right. So we see him practice, but there's not really a discussion of how it's going to look. Mm -hmm. And yet I think in this episode, we finally get at least a little bit, a really uh, interesting discussion of like how Aang has to mentally prepare for the end because mm -hmm. that even the first time that he was going to meet um, or planned to uh, confront Fire Lord Ozai, there wasn't really talk of like being mentally prepared for what that would be beyond like, I'm nervous, I'm anxious. It was, it's not so much, what happens after that? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. This, this episode ends with a hammer Yeah. Um, that I didn't expect. And it was, it's, it's pretty great. This is one of the better ending moments of an episode. I think um, uh, one other thing about this episode. Now I watched this probably four times. The first two times I watched it, I, and everyone else I watched it with was struck by how short it felt. Mm. Now it's no shorter than any other episode, but its structure is a little bit different. And because of that, you get to the end and you're like, wait, that was it. Yes. it. It felt like it feels like it's about maybe 15, 16 minutes long instead of 24 minutes long. Um, and I think part of that has to do with the structure. Absolutely. The structure is so different. Um, we do get another Zuko alone plus one. Yes. Which is exciting. <laughs> uh, but before that, there's a whole other story. 
Yep. Yeah, and and it's it's a, actually an interesting companion piece to Boiling Rock, um, which which I think also speaks to how it's preparing for the end, which is it's we're getting some other characters to resolve some stuff before we get to whatever the end story is going to be. Mm. Um, we you know we had uh, we had Sokka in Boiling Rock, you know, dealing with some of the issues he had about his father and his own identity and some of that stuff. And this week we get Katara dealing with some of the issues that have been her motivating force for, through a lot of this. Um, and we get some resolution with the um, relationship she has with Zuko. So the, the, the previously on, I don't know if you, did you watch the previously on? I did. I did yeah. actually. It's very heavy with, um, uh, very heavy with foreshadowing that this is going to be Katara and Zuko, and it's going to go back to Katara, uh, not necessarily trusting Zuko, but also some of the big things with Katara and her mother. So that becomes really central here. Now, there's other things that this episode calls back that don't appear in the previously on, and I want to commend them for that because there's a couple. There, there's some things they could have shown that, but that they don't in the previously on. Ah, uh, I think I know what you're thinking about. Yeah, yeah. So we just jump into this summary? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the episode opens, and we're back at the Western Air Temple, uh, and it's dawn, and we see everyone sleeping in a circle. Um, and I kind of wish we could have gotten a big zoom out, because I'm sort of curious who's, like, like the seating arrangement for the sleeping, because it's like a we- you see, like, a weird collection of people. It's like... Chitsang, Hakoda, Suki. It's just it's just like a weird like like why are people where they are? Yes. And it's uh mm, we talked about like, oh, what happens now, now that we have Hakoda and Chitsang and we have this family that is expanded and very quickly it's gonna go away. So this is one of the few shots where we get like everyone together. Yes, extended family. Um now what's interesting here is I don't think you see it. But the way that the scene plays out, it sure seems to imply that Zuko is now sleeping with the group. Right. Where previously he, you know, Osaka had shown him to his quarters in the air temple. So so Zuko uh, at, the, at the jump of this episode is already more closely tied into the, the family. He's a part of the crew. That's right. So everyone's sleeping there. And then we see Aang wakes up just as explosive devices are hurtling towards their camp. So we see him air bend them away and it explodes in the air. And then more bombs fly in as we see three black Fire Nation airships start to rise up from the chasm that's like in front of the air temple. There's like this foggy, smoky, seemingly bottomless pit. And we see these airships rise up from there mm. um, and we see Aang runs back into the camp and he air bends the door shut and I noticed these specific doors um, if you remember the last airbender movie they have these weird like they're like um, window blinds but they're vertical uh, yes remember, yes, there, there's, remember. Like a, there's a fight scene at the Northern Air Temple in the the M Night Shyamalan uh, last Airbender movie, and they have these kind of doors. And I think this is the only time we see doors like this uh, in the the cartoon. It's just d- drawn out in the movie, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, what year was that movie made? It was made after the whole show was over. I think wasn't it like 2010? Yeah. So 
Okay, this is bad of me, but I had always assumed that anyone ever connected to that movie only watched season one. Right. Was that your assumption, too? Well, well no, because they were planning to do future things, but what it seemed more like is anyone connect, no one connected to that movie had actually seen the show at all, is what it seemed like. <laughs> Except, if you remember, in the movie, one of the things, I've recently listened back to our episode on this, one of the things that we commended them for was that the sets were pretty good. Mm. And there seemed to be a lot of detail in the sets. So maybe the people watching watch or building the sets watched the whole thing and said, oh, those vertical blind doors are pretty cool. Let's build those in. Yeah, they were on top of things. I think um, maybe writers, maybe you know, directors. Actors. Not, not so much. <laughs> right. So um, back to our scene. So more bombs are coming and the ceiling starts to crumble from the bombing. Um, and we see Zuko dive at Katara to push her out of the way from a collapsing chunk of ceiling. And he ends up kind of on top of her. Uh, and Katara is not pleased with this. Katara says, what are you doing? And Zuko says, I'm keeping rocks from crushing you. And she says, okay, I'm not crushed. You can get off me now. And Zuko says, I'll take that as a thank you. So he's thinking he's doing this heroic thing. She's reading this uh, in a little bit different way. Yes. And this is another one of those moments that uh, Katara, Zuko, shippers love. Right? right the right, accidental right. fall on top of somebody is like such <laughs> a cliche in some in some ways. But Yeah, it, it feels very like Han Solo, Princess Leia kind of thing. Yes. You know, this is exactly. definitely a scene like that. It also echoes uh, a scene from Bado of the Water Tribe where Iroh, doesn't he dive to save June and then just sort of stays... <laughs> embracing her yes yes exactly uh so like it's uh, it's it's the one instance of creepy iroh and clearly zuko has picked up that he's trying to emulate iroh that's true that is true uh so we see toph and haru uh earthbend an escape tunnel and propose that they escape that way everyone except zuko rushes towards the tunnel uh and we see ang who's trying to get appa into the tunnel uh Ask Zuko's what he's do what he's doing because Zuko's going away from the escape tunnel, mm. um, and Zuko says, "Go ahead, I'll hold them off. I think this is a family visit," <laughs> which is a good line. And and he's and he knows, you know, we have to remember this is right on the heels of Boiling Rock. So at the end of Boiling Rock, they steal uh, Azula's. Are we calling these war blimps? What are we calling these things? I forgot what we war. Yeah, right. Yeah, war they're, blimps? they're yeah, they're war blimps. Different than the war balloon. There, these are war blimps. Um, so so they stole Azula's uh, from Boiling Rock. So clearly, there's ways that she's tracking them. So she hunted them down pretty quickly, and he's he's aware of this. It's also an interesting part. Uh... <laughs> because we see Haru, well, we see Haru Earthbend. Have we seen that very often? Not since, uh, not since maybe the original. The, well, I'm, I assume if we watch carefully the invasion, we're seeing Haru Earthbend. Ah, uh, yes. But he and Toph Earthbend, um, and when they do, they break through like, who centuries old artifacts and artwork and history and it reminded me of the destruction of the northern air temple uh and how emotionally uh, the, the strong emotional response of ang 
seeing the destruction of his culture. But here it's obviously a different story. It's like for self-preservation. The whole place could potentially be destroyed anyway. So Right, like, they're we, being bombed. Right, so, we need yeah. to get out. Um, but it, it is... It, it struck me as like, oh, it's another place that could have been preserved. And yet like this... So, so Aang's uh, people suffered a genocide and like even the remnants of it are are being destroyed bit by bit through the series and it's quite dark yeah i mean really we have the western air temple or excuse me the eastern air temple i feel like that hasn't been touched Mm -mm. and then this the southern air temple i guess is a graveyard now so it's kind of hard to go back to that yeah so we see zuko rush out to face the airships as katara and sokka help ang trying to coax Appa into the tunnel. Now, wh- this is one of the things that I love about this show is it goes all the way back to the cave of two lovers where they bring Appa into the tunnel and he's he goes reluctantly but willingly. And at the end of that, Aang promises, uh, promises Appa that he'll never make him go underground again. And they keep coming up with scenarios where there's like, well, we should go underground, but we're not going to. I know. Um, so, so I like that Appa has some agency here, though. Yes, I want to get in his head and be like, um, "Remember what you said, right? Yeah. <laughs> remember your promise." And and he does. I mean, he pretty quickly is going to say, "This is a non-starter. We have to find something else." So we see Zuko outside, and he's firebending at the airships. He's trying to hold them off, create a diversion so everybody else can escape. Um, and then we see a fourth of these war blimps rise up from the smoky chasm with Azula on top. And Zuko asks, what are you doing here? Uh, and Azula says, you mean it's not obvious yet? I'm a, I'm about to celebrate becoming an only child, which is a stone cold line, but it's pretty great. I mean, in the last episode we saw, she does not, she does not even hesitate at the idea of Zuko dying. So (laughs) now she's just very explicit about it. Also love that Azula just always finds a way to like ride on top of a blimp or something floating. It's never like in the ship. It's like, I need to be standing on top of it. Right. Cause this is not like a a place where you should be standing. No. Yeah. There's nobody else standing up on these, but she knows how to make an entrance. Oh yeah, for sure. No. Now, I have a technology question, and I don't think I brought this up yet, but uh, and this is going to be a, a criticism of the show, unless you can explain this away for me. Uh-oh. So, in the Northern Air Temple, the big innovation is the war balloon, right? It's like, we now have airships, and, you know, and like, and it took them a long time, and Sokka had to help to figure that technology out, and it was a big deal that they, at the end of that episode... They lost the battle, but they captured that last. Uh, th- they captured that war balloon, so that they could build others, right? Right. But now, I mean, we are literally months later. Like it's not. It's not years later. It's months later, and now it seems like the war balloon is this silly little device compared to these massive war blimps. Yeah, even calling them war blimps like feels like it's not doing them justice. They're menacing. They're large. I wonder, I don't know that I have a way to explain that out. And and in my reading on, 
forums and on Avatar Wiki, like no one's ever mentioned it. Um, I do try to steer clear of uh, the mistakes because that will bother me if I look up. Sure. Right. So it could be listed there somewhere. Uh, but in, this isn't the, like a continuity error. It's just it's like a they they sort of have fast forwarded technologically. Now, what I wonder is. Are these based on the technology that Teo's father put together in the war balloon? Or did they have other people working on airships? And, and in fact, one of those other projects got there faster and came up yeah. with something with a superior technology. Because these do seem superior to the war balloon, right? Right. And it kind of makes me... You know what? Maybe it's good for Teo's dad to be like... You know what? There, you were. You feel this like heavy burden of creating this. At the same time, it likely would have been created anyway, or there was something else that was in production. So it's like it's not all on this one person. Uh, and maybe that's kind of how this more technology stuff works, right? Like there is some guilt in it, but I, I, also yeah. it's a machine that you can't like. Like war is a machine, and like. Uh, imperialism is a machine that, like, not one person has. It, the, the fault doesn't lie on one person. Yeah, I like that for Teo's father as a human being, right? Um, but I do feel like narratively, it 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 uh, it frees him up from a little bit of the problems that he had, which is which I thought made him really interesting. So yes, and made this yes, and made the series interesting to yes to to sit on the like that moral dilemma. Yeah, and I, I don't want to harp on that, and, I, and we're not here to we're here to praise, not to uh, not to bury. But but I did find that really strange, and it is ex- mm. you can one can explain it, but it is kind of interesting because if they had this technology, either they just developed it within the last like ten minutes, or like why did they not take this to Bossing say? Ah, uh, true. Yes, I mean they, they had yes. drills and they were doing all this other stuff, and it's like, but if they had the air. <laughs> Again, we, pro- <laughs> we probably shouldn't interrogate this too much. We're just going to let that be. So, um, so Azula starts to firebend at Zuko from her feet, kind of gymnast style. It's pretty cool. It's like she grabs uh, grabs the railing and kicks out so she can fire um, from her feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Zuko is blown back by this, but he gets up and rushes back towards her. And he, it's this is great. Like it is true, truly a great like action movie shot where. Um, we see him running up this stone pillar that's starting to tip over into the chasm. So it's like a bridge, but it's collapsing. Mm. And he runs up it, and as he reaches the end, he jumps and is like suspended in air as he's like going towards the or sh- the the um, the airship, and he's firing as he's as he's kind of flying there. And you're watching his trajectory, wondering is he going to make it? Uh, mm-hmm. Is he going to make it to the blimp? Um, and we see him hit the side of the ship, but he struggles to find something to grab. And he's, so we see him sliding down the blimp and then he starts to fall. And we, and we actually watch him fall into the foggy, smoky chasm as Azula kind of looks on calmly, almost to say like, wow, you just made this even easier on me. I thought I was going to have to defeat you and you just defeated yourself. What a sad ending if that was Zuko's ending to just... To, in one jump does not even make the jump yeah i mean imagine if you were 
So, so the the age rating for for Avatar is uh, it's it's Y seven. So, like seven year olds <laughs> could watch this. So, like I wonder if there were seven year olds who were won over to Zuko and and they actually thought, oh my goodness, I, I guess Zuko's done. Yes, like they just got over the whole oh bad people can be good too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like little kids, and then to be like, oh wait, but now the good person is dead. Right, just rough. So, so we see the temple. The temple continue to crumble uh, as the gang tries to get Appa into the tunnel. And Aang says, "I can't get him to go in there. Appa hates tunnels." Um, and Katara says, "There's no way we can fly out of here." And Aang says, "We'll, we'll have to find a way." Mm. Um, which, which makes me happy for Aang. Again, I like the fact that he is so respectful of of Appa uh, at, at this moment. Um, and it's like, I don't know, I think maybe I'm reading too much into this, Sam, but it reminds me too, like, again, of what are the things that are preserved of being an airbender, right? And it's like, there's not really any physical part left other than Aang and Appa. Like, that's all there is, right? And it's, yeah. so it's, it's about, like, saving, or it's about honoring his best friend. It's about honoring... Uh, like a, uh, another living being and like their agency, but I think also maybe about like, it's just us two. Well, and I'm going to add to that because, because as you think about this too, like if Appa and Aang were to go underground, that is the opposite of their nature. Their nature mm-hmm. is to fly. And Aang had said before, like, like we're the only, we're the only people who can fly, the only folks who can fly, right? Like, like we own the air. And if you're ceding the air to the Fire Nation, because they now have these airships, right, that that is kind of admitting defeat of your your element and your people. So it's all, I mean, I kind of buy this sense of like, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down in the air, because that's mm. where we're supposed to be. So in that way, I mean, it's it's honoring of being an airbender. Right. So, um, so Sokka says, well, if we're going to do that, we're going to, we need to split up. Uh, and they go up to the other folks who are in the tunnel. Uh, and Sokka says, take the tunnel and get the stolen airship, the, the one that they stole from uh, from Boiling Rock. And, and Katara responds to this and says, no, the Fire Nation can't separate our family again. Um, so she's concerned about the fact that we lost our father. We just got him back. Now we're losing him again because this has already happened twice, right? That, right. that, that she's been separated from her father. But Hakoda says, it'll be okay. It's not forever. So they embrace, uh, and as they do, Toph walks towards Appa. So Toph, Toph leaves the tunnel group to go to the Appa group. Um, and then Katara, after giving her dad a hug, also joins the Appa crew. And then we see Sokka give his dad a hug. And as he's starting to walk back towards Appa, he grabs Suki's hand so she too can join the Appa crew. So we have these, our, 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 our team is separated really clearly into the the varsity and the jv <laughs> i mean like like it I, I love the moments where they they find reasons to get rid of the characters they don't really want to have in the scene but yes. this is so clearly like <laughs> the cool kids and the not cool kids because here's the Appa crew you have Appa, ang the avatar right <laughs> you have katara it's a powerful waterbender. You have Toph. Now, it would make sense for Toph not to fly with them. She should help them build this tunnel as they're going to find the airship, right? Yes. Like it 
That was the one that baffled me. Yes. Also, she hates flying. So there's just that too. Right. But but she's <laughs> she's one of the main cast. I feel like this had more to do with contracts and billing for a TV show than anything else. It's like, well, we can't have Toph in the tunnel. Because if Toph was in the tunnel, we'd have to also cut back to the people in the tunnel. It's like, well, we can't have anybody too important there. Um, so- right. We don't want to care that much. Right. So Sokka, Suki, and even Momo makes it into the Appa crew, right? Yes. So it's like the original family uh, plus Toph and Suki. Yes. Okay. Bye, Dad. So, Bye, Dad. It's like. <laughs> so here's the tunnel group. This is rough. The tunnel group is Haru, Chitsang, Hakoda, <laughs> the Duke, and Teo. Oh, man. Collectively. I wonder how many words they all have said in the last, like, four episodes. Right. I wonder if the writers just hated themselves for bringing along all these people. Because <laughs> they're like, we really don't want to create storylines for them. So this was one of the... It's one of my favorite moments in the history of the medium of television. When they, they just left all of them behind to be like, you guys go through this tunnel with one earthbender who's not as powerful as the one we're taking and go find this airship. They don't even plan a rendezvous point. I mean, I guess Chit saying can firebend, so maybe that would come in handy, right? Yeah, I guess. But maybe maybe so the tunnel is lit, like that that would help. <laughs> and warm if it's cold. Right. Yeah. But, but it, yeah, but they have all these non-benders, right? Haru, uh, uh, excuse me, um, Hakoda, the Duke, Teo, they're all non-benders. Yeah. And they're all very blah, except for Hakoda. Yeah, but Hakoda's a great leader, but like, I don't know that, do you want to see like, uh, would okay, would you watch a, a one-off episode of this group going through the tunnel? No. Yeah. No, I would not. Would you? No, and I and I have to say, I was a longtime fan of Haru after that episode, and I wanted Haru back, and I was kind of a Haru Katara shipper. I will admit that. Um, and I loved, I thought Teo, I really liked Teo, but they've sort of taken the air out of those folks now. And it's just like, I don't really want to spend time with them. Like, imagine if there was an episode where Zuko and Haru went on a mission. It's like, I like Zuko, but like, I don't really want to see that. So, yeah. (laughs) No, me too. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. They have five episodes left. They've been really trying, like you were saying, they've been trying really hard to let other characters and Aang have their moment, have their mm-hmm. resolution, build out their characters even more, and like do them well. So if you can't give enough lines to Haru, Chitsang, whoever, the Duke, <laughs> forgot all their names anyway, <laughs> the B Squad, if you can't give enough lines to them uh, to create interest, but also to cre- create resolution, it's like, why? Why do it? You know? I hope. And this is genuine. I hope that somewhere in the finale, those folks get to have even minor hero moments or mm. or minor moments of reconnection. So Haru reconnecting with his father, maybe having a hero moment with his father. Um, Hakoda, I could see Hakoda having a kind of leader hero moment or dying, one of the two, um, mm. which is also like could be heroic. Um, the Duke reuniting with pipsqueak 
maybe reuniting with Jet if he's alive. Maybe reuniting with you know Longshot Smellerby. Like I would love to see that that kind of Lost Boys family back together. Teo having some kind of hero moment. I'd really like that because I do like we're joking about these characters being marginalized in the story, and I understand why they are, but I also don't want them to just be dismissed by the show. Like mm. I, I want them to have been there for some kind of reason. You know, so maybe this maybe this stolen airship shows up at a key moment and they do something important. I would like that. Yeah, that would be sweet. I also, as you were saying that, I was like, who else? Okay. I was like, who else could die? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? Like Hakoda could die. That would be very meaningful. Also, mm-hmm. like Chitsang. I feel like Chitsang would like die, but it would be amazing. Like he would go out and it would be so cool. Yeah, he could have a heroic death, but I don't know how deeply meaningful it would be just because yeah. I don't we don't really know that character very well. Yeah. Haru has true. been they've talked about him for so long. Excuse me, Hakoda, they've talked about him for so long, you know, that that would be instantly kind of a meaningful thing. Have you seen this is a this is an aside. Have you seen Train to Busan? I have not. Okay, so it's a zombie movie, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. stuck on a train. Uh I really love it. There's going to be an American remake of it, but just watch the Korean one if you haven't. But there's uh, there's one character who is really uh, the actor is really popular here. I can't remember his name, uh, but he's like a big beefy guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he, when he, spoiler alert, dies. I mean, it's a zombie movie, right? Like mm-hmm. most people are going to. When he does, it's like this guy didn't have a ton of um there's there was not like an emotional response to his death really Mm -hmm. but he's just like powerful like a brute and so like when he dies it's epic and i feel like even if we don't really know much about chit saying even if i don't necessarily have an emotional response to him dying i want to if he does i want to see something epic yeah i could see that i could definitely see that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. He's built for it. He's he's also funny and interesting. So like, yeah, I could. I he's actually somebody I could I could stand to see more of. So yeah, right. Yeah, I don't want to just be like I want him to die either. Yeah, <laughs> but <yeah>. but <laughs> it could be cool. Right. I'm actually. It is interesting to think like stakes wise, what are they going to do in the finale in terms of deaths? Because I, mm. um, this show has done that in the past. They have killed characters or turned them into the moon. So like, I'm curious <laughs> what we see in this, uh, in this, the finale to the show. So, uh, with the help of some earth bending from Toph, Appa and crew break through the stone rubble and fly out into the clearing. And we see Azula f- fires at them, but they just kind of burst right past her. Uh, And she looks on as they fly away. And as she does that, we see another airship. So this is a fifth airship um, rising up behind her. And standing on top of this ship is Zuko. So Zuko doesn't die. He apparently finds a fifth airship down there, (laughs) lands on it. I don't quite know. Now, what I was wondering, when I saw this, my assumption was somehow did he find the airship that they stole and that's why they were hiding it? Uh, so he would know it was there. But if that's the case, then how are the cave people ever going to get anywhere? <laughs> I love the cave people. <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about that. <laughs> and who's flying the airship 
so Zuko can rise up. I I mean, I just thought it was another. I mean, it's just another of the ships, yeah? Like, another of the Yeah, the probably, probably. Yeah. I, for some reason, it's lagging behind the others, yeah. waiting waiting for a dramatic entrance. But yeah, it's probably not the stolen one. Um, but that when I first saw it, that was my thought. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, how's that going to work? So it, it probably isn't the one that they stole. Mm. So, so we see that Zuko um, rises up on this ship, um, and we see that Appa and crew see that Zuko's still alive. And Zuko sprints and jumps from his ship to Azula's under heavy fire from his sister. Uh, and the two siblings then engage in a firebending fight. And this is pretty cool because it's Zuko's red fire against Azula's blue fire. Mm. Visually pretty arresting, pretty cool to look at. Yes. And all the while, Appa is trying to evade fire from the other airships. Um, so Zuko is able to continuously block Azula's fire because this is the kind of thing he's been training you know, with Iroh on is like kind of like defensive things, mm. right? So he's able to block Azula's fire as he slowly gets closer to her. And finally they meet and there's like this slow motion, best I can describe it, a slow motion fire punch mm. where both of their fists connect. And the result is this huge explosion that throws both of them from the airship and they're both falling into the chasm. So we see them both falling kind of in parallel. They're falling off opposite sides of this ship, falling into this bottomless chasm. I don't mean I don't know how far down this goes. And I, I had there was this moment where I was like, are they going to start as they fall, like continuing to fire at each other? Mm. Um, kind of like in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf uh, and the Balrog fall from that bridge and they keep fighting as they fall forever yeah. like so i was expecting that um but something cooler happens which is we get a little millennium appa where he swoops down and i think if i'm right it's i think it's katara that grabs zuko it might be mm-hmm. it might be sokka i can't remember grabs him as he's falling and he gets saved um and zuko looks back to see his sister falling and he says in a pretty compassionate tone she's not going to make it like like the it's said with a lot of uh complex emotions let's say mm. um and then we see that she hits the side of the canyon and uh, the canyon wall and uses her like the hair her hairpin or yeah. crown i don't know exactly what we would call that she uses it as like a spike to dig into the cliff wall and catch herself so she's just kind of hanging by the like not hanging but like holding herself up and almost like standing on the cliff wall. And then we hear Zuko say in a, could we call it a disappointed way? Of course she did. Yes. Of course she did. Yes. Yeah. And so she's, it's it's funny too, because he's like essentially just narrating our thoughts as we watch, as we watch what's happening with her. Right. So, so she's staring at them as they fly away and we talked about the structure of this episode being strange. So at this point, we are nearly six minutes into the episode. Um, and these shows, these episodes never start with an action set piece. They often end with one. Um, and we know this from writing notes that like they often end that way. But this one starts with it. And I think this is why this episode feels so different. Um, because we are a solid quarter of the way through the episode. And we're, we have no idea what the plot of this episode is. Yes. Other than we've divided our team up. 
Right. That first six minutes, like, yeah, the episode goes fast, but it also feels like its own standalone episode. Like you said, because it ends with such an epic scene. Right. Um, what, I know that we got so much episode left, too, so I don't want to harp too much on some little details. But I thought it was interesting what you said about um, Iroh training Zuko to um, redirect lightning to to be a defensive firebender Mm -hmm. and now when i think about it i think back to iroh training him even in season one it was never training him and and maybe this should have been obvious to me but my second watch through but it was never training him to respond to waterbenders or earthbenders or specifically airbenders because they're looking for ang it was always defense against your own element and i wonder if deep in iroh he's like i know who your family is. I know who your sister and your father are. Like you're going to need to learn these things, not just to be a good firebender, but specifically to defend yourself against your own family members. Do you know what I'm saying? It was like, it was never um, any other form of defense except for how do you stop fire from destroying you? You know, that's really interesting. I I just, I can't go back and think about their training any other way now (laughs) yeah yeah um and and so it i wonder if that's even i mean we talk about what the end is gonna look like um what happens with azula what happens with fire lord ozai like how where is where is zuko fitting in where is ang and it's like i wonder if i wonder how they're gonna pair everything off who's Mm -hmm. gonna fight who and is it going to be fire against fire right because if we even if we think about boiling rock when at the in boiling rock part two when zuko and Sokka are fighting azula zuko is only doing defensive moves and Sokka's is the one doing the offensive moves with the sword mm. um, which is really interesting because that isn't that doesn't fit what we thought of zuko when we first saw him mm. mm-hmm that's really exactly. interesting all right so um we fade to our gang now camping on a mountaintop plateau. It's nighttime. They're sitting around the fire. Uh, and Aang says, wow, camping. It seems like old times again, doesn't it? And this, it, I like that he said it because that was also the thought going through my head. It's like, oh, I haven't seen them do this in a while. Like, this is a yeah. very, like, season one kind of thing for them to do. Even, like, Millennium Appa is a very season one, season two Yes, yes. And Zuko says, if you really wanted to feel like old times, I could chase you around a while and try to capture you. And everyone laughs except Katara. Now, this oddly reminded me of like a, a moment from The Breakfast Club. Oh, where, yeah. Okay, so at, at this point, they're, you know, everybody other than Katara, like they're all kind of on board with each other. These people who used to be at odds with each other, they're now kind of together. There's a scene towards the end of The Breakfast Club when all the, the, the five kids in detention are sort of um, uh, sort of have become, they've connected at this point and uh, they're talking about their different talents and the uh, Emilio Estevez character, Andy says, uh, I could, I could tape your buttocks together or something like that. Like, cause that's what he did to get into detention. And the way that Zuko says, I could chase you around and try to capture you is the, the exact like tone of Emilio Estevez in the breakfast club. I did not notice that before. Yeah, next time you watch that scene, I don't know how how familiar you are with the Breakfast Club, but yeah, but yeah, it's it's it. Something struck me every time I see it. He sounds like like Estevez at that moment. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, like I said, everyone laughs except Katara. Um, Sokka raises a cup and offers a toast to Zuko and says, who knew after all those times he tried to snuff us out, today he'd be our hero. And again, everyone toasts except Katara. Uh, and Zuko says, I'm touched. I don't deserve this. And Katara stands up and says, yeah, no kidding. And she walks away. And Zuko follows her. And Sokka's just kind of confused what anybody's doing at this point. He seems <laughs> he seems like blissfully unaware of this tension, which is palpable in the group. Um, so we see Katara sitting on the edge of a cliff under the moon looking over the water. And Zuko approaches her from behind and says, this isn't fair. Everyone else seems to trust me now. What's it with you? And Katara says, oh, everyone trusts you now? I was the first person to trust you. Remember back in Bossing Say, you turned around and betrayed me, betrayed all of us. Zuko says, what can I do to make it up to you? And Katara says, you really want to know? Hmm. Maybe you could reconquer Bossing Say in the name of the Earth King. Or, I know, you could bring my mother back. And she walks away. I think it's uh, I think it's it's interesting that her first thing is about uh the Earth King and Bossing say. Yeah. Um because I think th- this is speaking to you know we know that Aang felt guilt about that and Katara feels clearly feels some sense of guilt about that or guilt for Aang about that. That that that's the first thing that comes to her mind in terms of mm-hmm. Because that's really the core of of Zuko's betrayal of, you know, how how close they were in the the crystal uh, cavern. Yeah. I mean, also, yeah. But also his betrayal, it wasn't even like falling of Bossing Say. It was he almost got Aang killed, too. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it's it's one of those things where perhaps I'm reading into this, too. But it's like it's easier to name the thing that you're less connected to, you know, oh, sure. like to say uh, bossing say rather than to say you almost killed Aang, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the next sentence, she does get very personal. Yeah. I'm going to make a prediction here. I haven't made predictions in a while. Ooh, yes. I am going to predict that's so uh, this is, this, this is a, a package of predictions. I'm going to predict okay. that this show ends with Zuko as the fire lord fire king or whatever okay okay and that they are going to make it a point of him restoring the earth king to ba sing say mm. so so you know and and that, that there will even be a meaningful look between zuko and katara when this happens mm. will the bear be there oh you better bet bosco's there <laughs> okay good <laughs> all right so we go back to camp uh, and Zuko approaches Sokka's tent. Uh, but as he's doing this, he runs into Suki. <laughs> and Suki acts very guilty and denies that she was going to meet up with Sokka. Um, and Zuko enters Sokka's tent and finds him lying on the ground, surrounded by candles and flowers with a rose between his teeth. <laughs> and he's very flustered and says, uh, Zuko, yes. Uh, why would I be ex- expecting anyone different? <laughs> right? So, So this is a great, moment and it's funny because again the show is for seven-year-olds as people Mm -hmm. as young as seven-year-olds and this is just like they are joking about a late night like hookup (laughs) (laughs) yes 
And it's like, yes, why wouldn't I be expecting you, Zuko, with a rose in my mouth and <laughs> lounging? It's so good. And that that that's both Sokka and uh, Suki are very feel very guilty about this at the same time is very, very interesting. Yes. So um which which again made me yeah, made me think about like like that paying attention to the circle and where people were sleeping in the circle before that oh. uh you know. Because yeah. I don't know what I don't know what the culture of the uh, the water tribe is. Yeah, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of things like that. So, um, <clears throat> so Sokka kind of gets a hold of himself, right, and says, "Okay, so so what's on your mind?" And Zuko says, "Your sister, she hates me, and I don't know why, but I do care what she thinks of me." And Sokka's like, "Nah, she doesn't hate you. Katara doesn't hate anyone." except maybe some people in the fire nation. And then he realizes he's talking to someone from the fire nation. And he means, no, I mean, uh, not people who are good, but used to be bad. I mean, people, bad people, fire nation, people who are still bad, who've never been good and probably never will ever. And Zuko just stops him. It's a great, it's a great ramble um, from, from Sokka. And so, and Zuko to dig himself out of it. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And he's still feeling, it's like it's still fueled by the guilt of like kind of being caught by by Zuko. And Zuko's like, stop. Okay, listen. I know this may seem out of nowhere, but I want you to tell me what happened to your mother. Zaka says, why would you want to know that? And Zuko says, Katara mentioned it before when we were in prison together in Ba Sing Se. And again, just now, she was yelling at me. I think somehow she's connected her anger about that to her anger at me. And Sokka says, it's not a day I like to remember. Mm. So this is getting into some real psychology too. And, and what, what's interesting, and, and this is um, the first moment of something that I think is a big theme in this episode, which is we're seeing the characters mature. Mm. And what I mean by that is like, like, like that's a pretty incisive comment by Zuko. Yeah, you know, it's not just like, oh, she said something about this, but the fact that he, he even expresses it in a kind in, in 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 almost psychological terms that that she's like connecting her anger from one thing about her anger to this other thing and trying to think about how what kind of really what he's thinking about is what kind of therapy can resolve that anger. Mm. Now he's going to have a particular view of what might be therapeutic for that, but but it is interesting that we're sort of seeing uh, Zuko as psychologist here. Yeah, and to see the two responses of trauma of, I mean, there's more obviously, but to, to think about the siblings as like, personalities are their personalities, but probably some of it is built on their trauma too. Uh, mm-hmm. Katara being very uh, emotionally aware and also living daily with memory where Sokka, a goofball, um, ha- generally happy-go-lucky and... Uh, and his response to the trauma is to push it aside and not think about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was a really smart move by the writers to bring that up. Well, and, and this is going to, so we're going to hear Sokka's account of that day. And then spoiler alert, we're going to hear um, Katara's account. And they're different in that they had different experiences on that day. And it leads me to wonder, <laughs> if Sokka has ever heard Katara tell this story, because he doesn't, when he tells the story of the day her, his mother died, he is saying, this is what I experienced. Not, he's not telling what happened. 
he's telling this was my experience of what happened. Um, so it's like he isn't piecing other people's experiences into it. So it leads me to wonder like how much of this either has he never heard or refused to kind of deal with. Yeah. It's such great storytelling to be like the three characters or, or I guess if like Hakoda, Katara and uh, Sokka who were all there. Maybe none of them have ever told it before. Let's piece it all together. And the audience by the end will know, but even the characters themselves like don't really have a great understanding of what happened that day still. Right. And coming from a family myself who doesn't often talk about things, I could imagine some of these stories just never having been told. Even the, the these most traumatic things that they shared. Yeah. So, uh, so Sokka says, it's, a, it's not a day I like to remember. And we fade to a flashback of Sokka's memory of the day his mother died. So we see, um, it's sort of like we get uh, Avatar babies here for a moment. We see young Sokka and young Katara. And they're having a snowball fight in the Southern Water Tribe village. Um, and they see something that has become a very familiar thing on this show. They see black ash snow starting to fall, which is a, a sign of the, the Fire Nation. Katara announces that she's going to find her mom. And Sokka's voiceover, he says, many of the warriors had seen the black snow before and they knew what it meant, a Fire Nation raid. And we see warriors rushing um, rushing to the, um, we see Fire Nation warriors rushing to Water Tribe warriors. And we see the young Sokka rushing too. Warriors from both sides face off. Sokka says, we were badly outnumbered, but somehow we managed to drive them off. We see a fire soldier thrown headfirst into a snowbank, and while he's stuck, Sokka throws snowballs at him. Then Sokka picks up his boomerang and throws it at the fleeing Fire Navy ships. Sokka says, as quickly as they came, they just left. And then we fade back to uh, present day in Sokka's tent, and he says, I was so relieved when it was over, but that's because I didn't know yet what had happened. I didn't know we'd lost our mother. Zuko says, wait. Can you remember any details about the soldiers who raided your village? Like what their lead ship looked like. And Sokka says the main ship had flags with sea ravens on them. And Zuko says the symbol of the Southern Raiders. And Sokka tries to usher or rush Zuko out of the tent at this point. He's like, okay, you got what you needed. You know, he's trying to get him out of there. Um, and once Zuko leaves, he gets back into kind of make-out mode. We see him peek through the tent and call for Suki, but when he pops his head out, Zuko's still just standing there outside of his tent. So yet another kind of awkward, guilty moment. Caught in the act, yes. So does anything jump out at you from Sokka's memory of that day? It's, I mean, it's just so removed from, we don't even get his response to hearing the news. We don't get, did, did he see his mother? Like, again, he kind of, he tells the story, but he tells it in a removed way. He's kind of, he kind of makes himself a side character in it almost. Right. And what's interesting is in his story, he's like, they came, they attacked and all of a sudden they left. And it was almost like, I'm not sure why they left so quickly. Um, and it's, that's a question we should be asking. And we're going to learn why that is because as we hear other people's account of this, this day where we learn, um, uh, we learn more about what the pur purpose of that mission was. Mm. So we fade to the next morning uh, and we see outside, uh, we see Katara step outside of her tent uh, only to find Zuko sitting there on a rock waiting for her. So presumably he's 
after he talked with Zuko or with Sokka, he went and just sat there and has been sitting there all night waiting for her to come out. Um, and Katara tells him he looks awful. <laughs> and then Zuko says, I waited here all night. I know who killed your mother and I'm going to help you find him. And we see Katara with a look of surprise and anger on her face. This is a lot of face acting from Katara in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot is conveyed not by words, but just by her eyes and by her face. So Zuko and Katara walk up to Aang and Appa. And we see Sokka playing with or making a flower necklace. I'm not sure exactly what he's up to there. Uh, Katara says, I need to borrow Appa. And Aang says, why? Is it your turn to take a little field trip with Zuko? Which is a nice little meta comment from Aang. Like, oh, this is what we've been doing in past episodes. Now it must, this must be a Katara episode. He might as well have said. Right. I love it. I love the like, oh, everyone gets their bonding moment. That's right. Uh, Katara says, yes, it is. And Aang understands that she's serious and asks what's going on. And she says, we're going to find the man who took my mother from me. Zuko says, Sokka told me the story of what happened and I know who did it and I know how to find him. And Aang says, uh, what exactly do you think you, this will accomplish? Katara says, I knew you wouldn't understand. And even before Aang says anything, I just feel like that's such an unfair comment from Katara. Mm. Because because she's acting like she's the only one with trauma. Right. Yes. It's like he has lost everyone. (laughs) Yes. So so Aang very, you know, pretty calmly snaps back and says, wait, stop. I do understand. You're feeling unbelievable pain and rage. How do you think I felt about the sandbenders when they stole Appa? How do you think I felt about the Fire Nation when I found out what happened to my people? Again, it's odd that he starts with the Sandbenders <laughs> and then goes to the the massacre of his people. But 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 the Appa one is more uh, is something he lived through, and the other thing is this like learning about this weird history, right? And and lived through with Katara. She was there. She helped him through it. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, we lived through it with him. So, so as viewers, that that's a uh, an important moment. Uh, Zuko says uh, she needs this. Aang, this is about getting closure and justice. And Aang says, "I don't think so. I think it's about getting revenge." And this kicks off what is a pretty great, like this scene is pretty great. And again, I talked about feeling like the characters are more mature. This feels like a pretty adult conversation about ethics. That's that that breaks out here between um, three of our of three of our main characters, right? So Aang is saying, you know, this this feels like it's about revenge, and Katara says, "Fine, maybe it is. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe that's what he deserves." And Aang says, "Katara, you sound like Jet," um, which is pretty biting, right? Um, especially thinking about the, uh, the the Jet episode. Katara says, it's not the same. Jet attacked the innocent. This man, he's a monster. And Sokka says, Katara, she was my mother too. But I think Aang might be right. Katara says, then you didn't love her the way I did. So she is, she's being rough. Yeah, I mean, she, daggers. Because she's dealing, I mean, she is so deeply dealing with something to the point where she can't even see like, um, Katara, like the fact that other people have their uh, rights to their own trauma, and and for Sokka, it is in some ways the same trauma. Although we'll learn that it's also a little different too in terms of their experience with this. 
Um, but we see this is like heartbreaking to Sokka to hear her say this. And Aang says, the monks used to say that revenge is like a two-headed rat viper. While you watch your enemy go down, you're being poisoned yourself. And Zuko says, that's cute, but this isn't Air Temple preschool. It's the real world. Which is, you know, at one level, that feels like a like kind of an unfair attack to be like, oh, that's kitty stuff. Uh, but it is pretty interesting, right? Because if we're thinking about ethics and morality right this is the this is kind of the meeting of theory and practice you know oh, that yeah. it's like that that ang is speaking what is to zuko's mind like theoretically yes all of this stuff is maybe true but in the real world like justice needs to be served yeah it could be really easy to look at the monk lifestyle or the or the even just being up far removed in the air temples and to say like those are ivory towers and to be like the the things that you are talking about with justice and uh revenge like sure but when you apply it in the real world yes it's not it's not as clear cut uh but also zuko is making it clear cut too like he says this is closure closure is justice like those two things Mm -hmm. have to be in the same circle and it's like no sometimes closure isn't justice right right absolutely uh katara says uh now i know that now that i know he's out there now that i know that we can find him i feel like i have no choice and ang says katara you do have a choice forgiveness right Mm -hmm. so katara feels like her whole life has been pointing to this possibility and now that she has the opportunity there's there. I mean, there is no other choice. And I think it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, Aang is like, well, you have a choice, you have the choice to forgive. And Zuko says, that's the same as doing nothing. Mm. And Aang says, no, it's not. It's easy to do nothing, but to, but it's hard to forgive. And Katara says, it's not just hard, it's impossible. And then we see Katara and Zuko walk away. So, I mean, I, I think even, I mean, this idea that again, a show targeted at people as young as seven is wrestling with the question of is forgiveness active or passive? Mm. You know, like, cause, cause Zuko's arguing that, that, that it's passive, right? That if you don't do anything, that's all that forgiveness is, is not dealing with it, kind of just escaping from it, you know? And, and Aang is thinking of forgiveness as this active thing that needs to be worked through. Yeah. I love it because I, every line I'm kind of convinced with each character's, mm-hmm. each character's, the way that they're saying it, right? Like, it's like, oh, yes, you don't want to do nothing, uh, especially when justice might be on the line, right? Mm-hmm. But also, is that real justice? Yeah, it, it's great. It's like such a gray area. And and these are three of the most beloved characters, and they're all slightly disagreeing with one another or flavoring it differently. And so I think that's also really helpful to be like, it's not always the fact that Aang is the one that's right. Like we've seen over two and a half seasons that Aang has been wrong plenty of times, or we see that he has been misguided uh, many times. And so it's like, at this point, it's okay to, it's kind of okay to side with any of them or to side with none of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so they all come off as, as, having real wisdom. I mean, Katara mm. seems conflicted, but, but they're all people that we think of as being wise. And I think, I think the, the thing that Zuko says about 
it's the same as doing nothing. Like that helps move him in this scene from being just like Mr. Vengeance to like making a different kind of case. And what I like about this is it means now we know where this episode is headed, but we don't actually know what's going to happen when Katara faces him. Right. When she faces the person who has been the object of her obsession to a certain degree, right? She constantly, if you think about season one, she constantly brings up the death of her mother. Right. So right. this is this has been at the forefront of her mind. This is her motivating force uh in, in lots and lots of ways. And now she's on the precipice of facing the person who did it and is gonna have to be faced with what they are talking about still in theory. I mean, because really both Aang and Zuko are talking in theory. Katara is the one who has to actually put whatever she's going to do into practice. Yeah. It's also interesting that it's not just one. It's not just one relationship that needs forgiveness or closure or justice, but it's also Katara and Zuko. Like that's the reason why Zuko's having this conversa- conversation at all. He doesn't want to do nothing. He realizes he needs to do something in order to get that forgiveness from her at mm-hmm. this point, right? Because he's already done quite a bit, uh, but he hasn't done the one thing that she needs for him to do. And so it's like, he's he. I think on some levels he's talking more about himself than he's talking about um, whoever this person is who who committed atrocities um, against Hakoda's family, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So we cut uh, to the camp at night now, and we see Katara and Zuko dressed in black preparing to leave as Aang and Sokka secretly watch them. And Aang jumps out and says, so you were just going to take Appa anyway? Uh, I mean, he's pretty hurt by that, and Katara just says, yes. That's what we're doing. I mean, she's driven at this point. And Aang says, it's okay, because I forgive you. Does that give you any ideas? <laughs> and Katara says, don't try to stop us. And Aang says, I wasn't planning to. This is a journey you need to take. You need to face this man. But when you do, please don't choose revenge. Let your anger out, then let it go. Forgive him. I think it's fascinating that Aang is not trying to stop her from going. He wants her to, to go face him because because for him, forgiveness is active. Because I think for her to not go would be what, what Zuko is talking about, would be this passive thing of not dealing with it. But he's like, no, go find him, meet him, and then you have to make a real choice, right? Yeah. This is arguing that ethics happens in reality, not just in theory. Yeah, yeah. It's It is similar to the desert when... And it's it reminds me of the desert when Aang is seeking revenge for Appa's um, for the theft of Appa and uh, the selling of Appa, and he goes into the Avatar state, and then it's Katara who like grabs him and pulls him down and brings him into a mm-hmm. hug, and we see him cry, right? And then to be like, Aang is trusting her and Zuko to be like. I, I'm I can't be there to do that for you when in this moment, right? Like Aang can't be there to bring her back and like hold her and hug her and like remind her. Mm-hmm. So it's like his last little like mental hug of like I like I want you to remember this because if I could be there during this mission, that's what I would be telling you in the moment. Hmm. So so Aang makes this plea for for forgiveness in the moment. Um, and Zuko says, okay, we'll be sure to do that, Guru Goody Goody. And Katara <laughs> says, 
thanks Aang for for understanding. And they fly off, and Sokka says, "You know, you're pretty wise for a kid. Usually, it's annoying, but right now, I'm just impressed." And then, and then Sokka asks, "Can I borrow Momo for a week?" Because <laughs> if if Aang's just handing out his his uh, pet slash friends, like, and 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 Aang asks why, and Sokka's, Sokka's like, "I don't know. Like, just, yeah. I didn't I didn't know we could just do this." So yeah, Aang's like, "Why would you need Momo?" <laughs> I kind of want to know what his plan might be. I know, me too. So we see Katara and Zuko flying on Appa across the face of the moon. And Zuko lays, Zuko lays out his plan. He says they need to find the Fire Nation communication tower to figure out where the Southern Raiders are. And Katara says, so once we find the communication tower, we bust in and take the information we need. And Zuko is trying to like calm her down a little bit. And he says, not exactly. We need to be stealthy. And make sure no one spots us. Otherwise, they'll warn the Southern Raiders long before we reach them. So we see them reach the communication tower on a small island, and they start to infiltrate it. They're dressed all in black with their faces covered. They kind of look like like ninjas at this point. Mm. Um, and we see that Katara and Zuko, they're in the rafters above the, um, above the map room in the communication tower. And the sol- there's a soldier reading messages and writing on a map. And Katara, from up in the rafters, water bends the ink to create a spill. And when he gets up to clean himself, they jump down and start going through the files to look for information on the Southern Raiders. And Zuko discovers that they're on patrol near Whaletail Island. What's interesting about this whole scene is that you're used to these kind of infiltration moments, having these things where it's like something goes wrong and they need to solve it. But they're just perfect. Mm. This plan works perfectly. Yeah. They're a really good match. Mm-hmm. Because you realize how powerful they are and how mm. when when that they're both pointed in the same direction in terms of what they're trying to achieve. Um, now, it's interesting. Whaletail Island, we have heard of this island before. Do you remember? Yeah. Was that where uh, they were told Appa was taken, but really he was in Lake Laogai? Yes. That's what... Okay. Uh, that's what they when they were in Bossing say that's that was the uh, the false lead. So we yeah. we kind of know where it, where it is on the map because I remember them looking on the map to see it's pretty close to the Southern Water Tribe, Whaletail mm. Island. Like it's it's almost going all the way back to the start. Mm. Um, but they're in the west now, anyhow. So I don't I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're that far away, but it could be a few days. Yeah, and and interesting too. Like when you mentioned that these two are are obviously really good. Like their plans worked perfectly we get a little bit of katara waterbending in a way that's like innovative and interesting Mm -hmm. to like spill the ink and whenever she does that i'm always floored i forget that like oh yeah there's water in ink like it seems so obvious but like there it is and this whole time another person i wish i could get in the head of because he doesn't say that much from now on is zuko Mm -hmm. and i want to see if he's clocking all of these things that katara does because they progressively get more and more uh terrifying but also like powerful and to be like oh yeah i suppose she was holding back on me (laughs) yeah right like she could have been doing a lot of pain and torture to me but has not well and she has leveled up since bossing say quite a bit um yeah i mean and and they do have i don't know if they have one here but they do at other points have cutaway shots to zuko like (laughs) 
noticing what's happening and yes and and those are pretty powerful moments so we cut to them uh to katara and zuko flying on appa to whale tail island and we see zuko wake up from his sleep and he sees that katara is still in the saddle of appa and she has dark bags under her eyes and she looks like monomaniacal focused on revenge at this point uh, and Zuko suggests that she gets some rest because she'll need her strength. And Katara says, don't you worry about my strength. I have plenty and I'm not the helpless little girl that I was when they came, mm. um, which then sets up her flashback. So that, that's, that leads into her telling her memory of this day. Uh, and, and in that too, her appearance reminded me also of Aang in the desert. Mm-hmm. Aang after days of searching for Appa uh just heavy and dark and this whole episode i was reading on on avatar wiki that like they purposefully made the colors really dark and moody but also like blue tinted and Mm -hmm. it's supposed to mirror how katara is feeling on the inside oh that's really interesting Hmm. so as we cut to her flashback so this is the second time we're seeing this story told the second set of memories um it starts uh we see again her and sokka uh, um, having their snowball fight, um, and they see the the snow, uh, the or the the ashy snow, and she says she's going to go find mom, her mom, and she runs to the family home, uh, where she sees her mother on her knees with a fire soldier, um, standing over her, and the soldier turns back to look at Katara, and her mother says, "Just let her go, and I'll give you the information you want." The soldier says, you heard your mother, now get out of here. And we see little Katara say she's scared, and her mother tells her to go find her dad. And before she leaves, she focuses in on the soldier's eye and then runs off. And we hear in Katara's voiceover, she says, I ran as fast as I could. We see young Katara find her father still engaged in the fighting, the fire soldiers. And she says, please, I think mom's in trouble. There's a man in our house. Uh, we see Hakoda run to the house and Katara's voiceover says, but we were too late. When we got there, the man was gone and so was she. We fade back to present day and Zuko says, your mother was a brave woman. And Katara says, well, wow, she's touching the, her mother's necklace. I know. Now, <clears throat> I, I want to point out some wording here um, because there's there's a mystery to me that I, that I want to dig into a little bit. So she says, when we got there, the man was gone, and so was she. Mm. Now, that can mean more than one thing. The man was gone, meaning he was no longer there. It could mean her mother was no longer there, like the place was empty, or she was gone, like she ceased to be. Um, so, like, I don't know. She doesn't explain what she saw. And right. we and, and, and they cut away so we can't we don't see what's in the house at this point. Right. And this is relevant because we're gonna hear this story one more time. So I just want to clock the language that she uses. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't say that she found the house empty. She doesn't say that she found her mother dead. She says she was he was gone and so was she. Mm-hmm. So the word gone is uh doing a lot of interesting work there. Yeah. Also Zuko's response was perfect. Yes. Absolutely perfect. Like, I think it's so rare when someone tells a trauma, a, 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 something about their traumatic past, 
And then to, instead of saying like, a, I'm sorry, or wow, that's rough, or that's rough, buddy, like, right. <laughs> or, or something along those lines, it wasn't anything about pity, because we know that Katara does not want pity. Uh, it's instead saying, it's acknowledging like the bravery of not only her mom, but also like their lineage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. Great job, yeah, Zuko. Yeah. I don't I'm I'm really terrible at moments like that. I should learn from oh. Zuko. Oh, me too. I think we all are, right? Like we all none of us know how to respond to things like that. Except I think Zuko kind of does because his own mother has a similar story. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So we fade to later and it's still night. And now we see Katara asleep and Zuko is driving. I put driving in quotes because I don't know that you drive, Appa, <laughs> but he's up front. But I do find it interesting that um, the previous scene started with her so focused and saying, you know, I'll be ready. I don't need this. But something about that moment that they just had convinces Katara that she is going to sleep. Mm-hmm. It also might speak to how far Whaletail Island is, that it's actually yes. far enough that they can't just hop on and zip over there. Yeah, and it also speaks to the trust of the gang gang with Zuko to be like, mm-hmm. I trust you that I can I can rest and you won't do something like you won't steer us towards the fire nation you know whatever like yep. he's clearly on your side also appa trusts him enough to be like driving or whatever, yep. whatever we want to call it right yeah so so there's an extent to which if this episode is largely about katara and zuko's relationship this is a sign that maybe the first sign that she's trusting him yeah 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 that she lets her guard down um, so Zuko announces that he sees the Sea Raven flags, and they they see us uh, one gray Fire Nation ship uh, in the sea with red Sea Raven flags. And Katara says, "Let's do this." A very action movie uh, style line there. So we see Appa go into submarine mode. Uh, so yes. Katara bends the water away from his head to create an air bubble, and they approach the ship from underwater. And we see on deck uh, the the ships uh, the, on the deck of the ship. We see four Fire Navy soldiers, and they're having a talk. And there's this great. I love moments of like, kind of people just like saying kind of nothing but conversationally. So the one guy is holding court, and he says, "So there I was, and I was like, you know, I was, you know." So he's like in the middle of telling the story, but he doesn't say anything. Then out of nowhere, he's grabbed by like a whip of water and pulled off the side of the ship. And all the others rush to the side of the ship to see what happened. And as they do this, Appa swims under the ship and they pop up on the other side. And Katara creates a huge wave to toss the soldiers overboard. So they land on the deck and Katara water whips the only remaining crewmen off the deck of the ship. So they basically have just wiped out the the on-deck crew of that ship. Mm. Um, And we see Zuko and Katara rush into the ship. Uh, Katara has like the water whip arms because she has to bring water with her. I love that she has to do this because it looks kind of ridiculous. Like it doesn't look cool, but no. it's like practic- practicality wise, she she actually needs it. So she has to do this thing that looks kind of silly. It does absolutely look goofy and it doesn't ruin the moment, but uh, it's necessary. And I love that it's not about looking cool. It's about... Yeah, doing, doing what you need to do. So we see a soldier pop out to attack, but Zuko takes him out right away. And they get to the captain's door. And Zuko says, this is it, Katara. Are you ready to face him? 
and Katara yells and blasts the door open with water. Now, again, they have met no resistance in their plan. It's so interesting um, that this is not... What's going to happen is not made difficult by their lack of power or ability to execute a plan. They're perfect in doing that. And I actually kind of love that mm-hmm. because you're, you keep waiting for the, like the problem and the problem is not going to be their, their inability. Right. And it tells you more and more that the people that they're seeking revenge from are not expecting attacks. Like they're not, they're not, it doesn't even there. It seems like they're patrolling. Like they're not mm-hmm. even on a mission. They, there's no expectation that they should be in danger and uh, continues to color this idea of revenge and why, why does Katara need revenge? Right, right. These, this is not a group of super soldiers that they're attacking as as it turns out. (laughs) Right. These are guys on a ship talking about, yeah. And then, you know, when I, uh, and yeah, that's what I said. And (laughs) yeah. So they blow through the door and when they get in, the captain of the ship is there and he firebends, but Zuko keeps blocking uh, his attacks because Zuko, we know, is a great defensive firebender. The captain says, who are you? Zuko says, don't you remember her? You su- you will soon, trust me. And we see the captain try to firebend again, but we see the veins in his hand start to bulge as he loses control of his body. So this is the sign that Katara is bloodbending him to the ground. And at this point, Zuko, we cut to Zuko, and he looks on, and he is shocked and impressed and a little scared of what's happening. Because mm. he doesn't know anything about bloodbending. Right. Um, so this is interesting, because I wondered how they were going to reintroduce bloodbending. I mean, clearly this is, you know, it's Chekhov's bloodbending. If you're going to talk about it in, in The Puppet Master, it, it, it has to be a plot point. And it was interesting that this is the plot point. And the interesting thing is Katara doesn't have qualms about using it. Mm. She just uses it. Uh, and it and uses it on someone who isn't, I mean, he fought back, but at this point she has what like there's they have so much more on their side than this guy does she doesn't mm-hmm. need to use it at all right and if we think about who she learned bloodbending from it was hama and mm-hmm. hama used bloodbending to get revenge against the fire nation for attacking the southern water tribe yeah. and katara is starting down that path right now oh can't you imagine hama just cackling somewhere if yes. she knew She's loving this. This is her favorite episode, even more yes. so than the one she's in <laughs> until we get to the end, maybe. Right. Right. Um, so Zuko is kind of clocking that she is uh, that she's bloodbending, but maybe doesn't even really know what it is. And Zuko says to him, think back, think back to your last raid on the Southern Water Tribe. The captain says, I don't know what you're talking about. Please. I don't know. And Zuko says, don't lie. You took you look her in the eye. And you tell me you don't remember what you did. And we see Katara blood bend him up. And she stares angrily into his eyes. But she realizes it's not him. He's not the man. Because remember, in that flashback, she stared that guy in the eyes. She knows what his eyes look like. And, and it's not him. And Zuko says, what? What do you mean it's not? <laughs> He's the leader of the Southern Raiders. He's got, he has to be the guy. And Katara walks away. But Zuko isn't happy to just walk away. So he pulls the guy's guy up and pins him against the window. And he says, if you're not the man we're looking for, then who is? And I love this is like, Zuko seems like a, like a, 
a bad cop at this moment, right? He's just roughing this guy up. Um, and Zuko, uh, Zuko says, you know, who is? And the captain says, you must be looking for Yan Ra. He retired four years ago. And from there, we cut to Katara's eyes just sort of like filled with vengeance. So this guy isn't the guy, but the guy is out there. And they they know who he is and presumably know how to find him. So from here, we fade to uh, a small island. It's daytime. We see an old man on his knees working in the garden. Uh, and an old woman walks to the door of his house and yells, Yan Ra, you lazy piece of work. I need something. And Yan Ra says, yes, mother, what is it? And she says, the tomato carrots from your garden are too hard for my gums. I need something soft and juicy. Yan Ra says, uh, would you like something else from the garden? I'd be ha- I would be happy to. And then his mother cuts him off. Forget your stupid garden. Get your grimy hiney to the market and buy me some real food. Um, so we get this, this initial snapshot of the life of the monster Yan Ra. Yeah. And just like Fire Nation people just being fire nation people like this is the most average scene you could ever see yes it's like somebody (laughs) dealing with their uh elder family member or their family member that they have some bad (laughs) blood with and it's Mm -hmm. like i love that they made him so average yes yeah and 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 like under the thumb of his mother is is just very funny And to be like, oh, yeah, even great war heroes or whatever, it doesn't matter who you are, like, you will become average again. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, the Southern Raiders are famous enough that Zuko knows what their flags are. And this guy was the leader of them. And now in his retirement, he is gardening a pretty small garden uh, by hand. Apparently, yeah, not good. (laughs) He's not a good gardener, I guess. (laughs) Yep. And he's not even in control in his own home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we see Jan Ra then walking, uh, walking to and shopping in the market. And the village seems mostly deserted. There's not a lot of people there. Um, and Jan Ra, you can tell he senses someone is watching him. And on his way back home, he again senses someone following him or watching him. And we see Katara and Zuko pop their heads up. And Katara, Katara says, that's him. That was the monster. And now it starts to rain. And I love the rain in this. It just, it visually, it's really cool. Um, so, so now we start to get this kind of driving rain. And suddenly, Jan Rod jumps up and says, Nobody sneaks up on me without getting burned. And he, we see him bend a, a, a pretty big shot of fire towards this tree and sets it on fire, but there's nobody there. And he keeps walking and he falls over a tripwire. And when he's on the ground, Zuko walks over to him and says, we weren't behind the bush and I wouldn't try firebending again. And Jan Ross starts to grovel. He says, whoever you are, take my money, take whatever you want. I'll cooperate. And Katara walks up to him and she takes her mask off and says, do you know who I am? And Jan Ross says, no, I'm not sure. Katara says, oh, you better remember me like your life depends on it. Why don't you take a closer look? And Yan Ra looks her in the eyes and says, Yes, yes, I remember you now. You're the little water tribe girl. And now we flash to his memory of events. Do you do you know if Zuko ever mentions to him who he is, or is he just kind of taking a back seat and just 
letting Katara do her thing. He's just being muscle for Katara, and he's got a mask on his face, so it's 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 un. I mean, he wouldn't even be recognizable necessarily. Yeah, or I feel like before <laughs> this this. All the characters in this show just like love to do the big reveal of who they are. <laughs> I'm Aang, the Avatar. I'm Zuko, the the Crown Prince. And yet, this episode is like, there's none of that. It's just yeah. Katara. Do you remember me? Yes, yes. It's like it's like he knows it's a Katara episode because mm. he's the one orchestrating it as a Katara episode. So we get Yan Ra's flashback. So this is the third flashback we've had to this same day. Um, <clears throat> so. With a flash of lightning, we cut to a flashback of Katara and her mother, who I learned in this episode's name is Kaya. Yeah, uh, and we, Yan- uh, we never hear it before this time. Yeah. Oh, is this really the first time? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm yes, pretty sure. Because Hakoda says it earlier in this episode. Um, so Katara, Kaya, and Yan-Ra. Um, and this time it's from Yan-Ra's memory. And Kaya says, just let her go and I'll give you the information you want. And Yan Ra says, you heard your mother. Get out of here. And Katara says, Mom, I'm scared. And Kaya says, go to your, go find your dad, sweetie. I'll handle this. And we see Katara run out. Now, this, was the, this is where Katara's memory of this moment ends. So this is the part of the story Katara didn't know. So Yan Ra says, now tell me, who is it? Who's the waterbender? And Kaya says, there are no waterbenders here. The Fire Nation took them all away a long time ago. And Yan Ra says, you're lying. My source says there's one waterbender left in the Southern Water Tribe, and we're not leaving until we find the waterbender. And Kaya says, if I tell you, do you promise to leave the rest of the village alone? He agrees, and she says, it's me. Take me as your prisoner. And Yan Ra says, I'm afraid I'm not taking prisoners today. Mm. So this is where I go back to Katara saying he was gone and so was she. Mm. If he's to be believed that they're not taking prisoners, <laughs> then that means he's just going to kill her. So like, and I, I mean this in all seriousness, is there a chance that Katara and Hakoda walked in to find what I what I can only imagine is like the burned burned up body of of Kaya in the in the house. Yeah, I feel like maybe right. Yeah, and maybe that's why. I mean, she, so Katara is younger than Sokka, but maybe that's also why Katara has the revenge bent more than like mm-hmm. more than Sokka. He did. Maybe Sokka was spared having to see that. Yes, I assume he was, and I yes. assume he maybe didn't has, like I said, has maybe never heard that story, and maybe doesn't right. actually know what what she saw. Yeah, it's um because is- be- because if if it is true, if the word "gone" means she was not there, like Yan Ra was not there, then that means she was taken prisoner. Why would they right. take her prisoner then kill her? So then it opens the door up to: Is she still alive? Right. Um, right. Which I don't know. I mean, for Katara and Sokka and Nakoda's sake, that would be great. Narratively, like, I don't want this to turn out to be like, oh, they're actually all the stakes we thought were there weren't really there. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess I, I always just assumed it was gone, gone, but I don't know what we, we're spared having to see it too. Yes. But yeah, I'm curious what, what, 
how they would have been able to describe that even in a kid's movie without. I mean, they could have said she was dead or she was taken, right? Right. Mm, yeah. But but I, I actually, I'm saying this as a strength. I like the way that Sokka and Katara have experienced this day and remember it differently. Mm. And that that might lead to their differing responses. And it might lead mm. to why Katara seems to sometimes hint to Sokka, including in this episode, that he doesn't really understand. Because she, I think, maybe saw something that uh, that that Sokka didn't. Um, do you know what Kaya means in what the name Kaya means? I do not. I'm so happy about it. So there's two meanings. Um, the first, it's spelled a little different, but in Hawaiian, uh, it means to rejoice, uh, or it means the sea, mm-hmm. the ocean. Uh, and in Swahili. Uh, it means um, uh, diamond in the sky. I believe it's Swahili. But the meaning is diamond in the sky, which I also love. Oh, so very it's like, interesting. Right? Because it's like, okay, of course, like the sea, great. Like that makes sense. To rejoice even has layers of um, complexity, right? But also for her name to mean diamond in the sky and to be one of the other women that like looms over and like mm-hmm. haunts the family of Hakoda, uh, like her and uh, Yue, right? Like mm-hmm. these diamonds in the sky, these like women that are on a pedestals that are like brave and perfect and to like just, um, yeah, to haunt, right? They're, they're truly haunting. So great job naming. Yeah, right? I, lo- I love that for everyone except Suki because like, how do you live up to that? Yeah, well, Su- I mean, Suki already has. Yeah, right, she's, like, Suki- she's the best. She's my <laughs> yes. diamond in the sky. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> she's a whole she's a whole galaxy of stars. Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So from there, we fade back to present day. Uh, and Katara says she lied to you. She was protecting the last waterbender. Uh, and Jan Ross says, what? Who? And Katara yells, me. And at this point, she goes into a T-pose, which I thought was very funny. Um, are you familiar with T-posing in video games? Uh, no, I don't think so. So it's, it's often, so when characters get designed for video games, they're designed in a pose where they're standing straight up and their arms are out and then they, those can be manipulated Ah. like a puppet. So oftentimes when video games, like when there's bugs in video games and they're broken, what will happen is characters will just T-pose. So Katara T-poses and I kind of love it. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, in this, in the part of the video game where you're like, changing the skins and yes the, yeah exactly uh, okay <laughs> mm-hmm. so so she goes into a t-pose and she stops the rain in the air this mm-hmm. is such a cool scene because again we're seeing her she's showing all of her interesting powers so she stops the rain in the air and she collects it in a dome over them and then she bends this water into hundreds of like frozen spikes that she fires at yan ra and he cowers as the spikes approach but she freezes them right before they would have struck him. And they splash back down as water on the ground. And Jan Ra is crying. He says, I did a bad thing. I know I did. And you deserve revenge. Why don't you take my mother? That would be fair. Okay. They, I, I love that they snuck a great joke in here. That Jan Ra is like, take my mother, please. Like, <laughs> like he would love that. So good. Uh, and Katara says, uh, I always wondered what kind of person could do such a thing. 
But now that I see you, I think I understand. There's just nothing inside you, nothing at all. You're pathetic and sad and empty. But as much as I hate you, I just can't do it. And we see Yanra almost crack a little smile at this, realizing that he has he's not going to be killed by Katara in this moment. And Katara walks slowly away as Yanra whimpers at the ground and Zuko follows her. So she has this climac- climactic moment where she is um, harnessing all of her power and, and can do the thing that she, that's been driving her this whole time. Um, and she manages to not do it. Yeah. Not because she can't, but because, uh, because she can't bring herself to. Right. I mean, it's like, it's like Appa and Aang realizing that they don't want to go down inside of the earth. Right. To mm-hmm. be like, instead, like this is counter to everything that is being in the, being an air nomad and for her mm-hmm. it's like being a waterbender is powerful and yet it's healing and it's it's not destroying and it goes against her nature it makes me think of what jong jong said about how he hated fire and like kind of loved water and like or was mm. was jealous of her as a waterbender because fire he as he saw it was only this destructive thing but water mm. could be something more mm-hmm. So uh, from there, we cut to Katara sitting on the edge of a dock, staring at the sunset as her toes are in the water. And we see Aang rush up to her and ask if she's okay. And Katara says, I'm doing fine. And Aang says, Zuko told me what you did or what you didn't do. I guess I'm proud of you. And Katara said, okay, he didn't say, I guess I'm proud of you. He said, or what you didn't do, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> I'm proud of you. My notes were a little weird there. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Um, Katara <laughs> says, um, I wanted to do it. I wanted to take out all my anger at him, but I couldn't. I don't know if it's because I'm too weak to do it or because I'm strong enough not to. And Ang says, you did the right thing. Forgiveness is the first step you have to take to begin healing. Again, real wisdom from Ang here. Um, and I, and I can't believe how much this show is about how we wrestle with grief and trauma and these things. It's pretty amazing. Um, and Katara says, but I didn't forgive him. I'll never forgive him, but I am ready to forgive you. And she gives Zuko a big hug. And Zuko says, you were right about what Katara needed. Violence wasn't the answer. And Ang says, it never is. And then Zuko drops the hammer on the whole series and says, then I have a question for you. What are you going to do when you face my father? And we see this uncertain look on Aang's face as we cut to credits. Maybe the best ending of an episode because it, it asks a fundamental question. If Aang is this person he claims to be, then what is the plan? Yeah. You know, and we've always, this, this whole show, we've talked about people having plans and what is the plan for the invasion and what is the plan for this? And do you go in with a plan or do you improvise? And, and uh, Zuko asks the real hard question here, which is when you face my father, if you, if you really believe that violence is never the answer, then what are you going to do when you face him? Hmm. I like the way that Zuko says it too, because it's not clear even what Zuko thinks is best. Similar to when he sees Azula fall down and there's compassion, but there's also frustration. 
right? <laughs> to be like, he's conflicted in seeing his family suffer, mm-hmm. but also knows that they're causing suffering across the world. So it's like, I like that Zuko just says it, doesn't give an answer, doesn't give advice, like is is clearly just wondering what Aang's plan is or mm-hmm. if he has a plan. Uh, and like, it leaves us all kind of in the same, I think thinking the same thing as Zuko, like I I think for me, it could end any way. And I I feel like it would, it would be fine. Uh, And it's all quite murky and cloudy. And he's also asking it as if like Zuko's open to learning from Aang. He's like, so like, cause he's, cause it starts with you were right. This is what she needed violence wasn't the answer and then and ang's like well it never is and then he's like okay well let me learn more from you what what would what let me pose another question to you what would you do in this situation right mm-hmm. it's like they're it's like they're two rabbis talking through ethics or something i like i kind of love it um and i like how zuko's final question pushes us towards the end game and it sets up the show to force us to think about the possibilities of an ethical conclusion yes you know, because uh, this is a show that seems interested in that. It seems interested in this question. Yeah. Um, and I and 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 just like we didn't know what Katara was going to do, I don't know what Aang's going to do. Right. And you and I have been talking about that moral dilemma since the start. Kind of. We've been talking about how. Aang, I mean, he, even when he says his own lines of like, I'm the Avatar, this is what I do. What he does is preserve and protect. He mm-hmm. doesn't destroy, he doesn't kill, right? And it's like to create peace. And, uh, and but the series makes us question sometimes peace, like, like what are the costs of peace? And uh, is sometimes violence the cost of peace? Mm-hmm. And um, y- yeah, I, I guess... I'm curious what you think is going to happen or is it one, is it something that you don't even want to speculate at this point? I, I don't, I don't want to speculate because we're at, because I don't want to speculate about Endgame because you can lay out a scenario and then you're almost disappointed that it like, right. if it's not that thing. So, so I don't want to do that, but I do think what, what you just said reminded me of something that you and I have taught many times, which is um, it makes me think of Augustine's city of God, right? That he mm-hmm. says, like, everyone desires peace, but there's different kinds of peace. There's the peace that is brought, a, um, the, the peace of the world that is brought about through war, and it's temporary, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the peace that's brought about through love, the peace of the kingdom of God, and that this is a peace that is eternal, right? And it's like, what kind of peace is this show capable of? What kind of yeah. peace is the Avatar capable of? Yeah. And it's, yeah, this almost, you could look at this whole thing as like a grassroots revolution against against a big imperial power, right? Like that's kind of what this is. Mm-hmm. And in that, usually there's violence. I mean, I mean, truly mm-hmm. violence for the means of peace. And, and it makes me think about things like um, civil rights movements, whether in the U.S. or elsewhere. And it's like, what what are you willing to do in order to promote or t- in order to create a peace, a peace that's more lasting, right? Like mm-hmm. um, kind of in the vein of Augustine too. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think about, about Martin Luther King. It makes me think a lot about yeah. Albert Camus, the rebel, um, mm-hmm. which 
has as its core thinking about revolutions um, and, and thinking about sort of rejecting revolutions that um, postpone the celebration of personhood in the name of some some personhood to come. You know, mm-hmm. like he says, like, if we have to deny personhood now in order to have it later, like, mm-hmm. and, and really what he's saying is like, if we have to kill now in order to have personhood later, he's like, I reject that, right? Like, mm-hmm. we have to rebel because we are, not because we will be. Um, yeah. And, uh, but again, like this episode tells us, these things are great in theory, but in practice, what do you do? You right. know? Yeah, because I, because because what's interesting is uh, Ang and Zuko when they were having that debate earlier were talking about something neither of them had to do. They're talking about something Katara had to do, and now and 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 Katara was where the rubber meets the road. But Zuko ends by pointing out, Ang, you are now where the rubber meets the road. And Zuko's maybe thinking of himself too, and thinking, mm-hmm. I am also where the rubber meets the road. And how do I feel about if I have to face my sister and I have to kill my sister? Because he kind of was wrestling with that for a brief moment earlier, and we saw this all these different emotions on that. I, I think this might be a great episode. <laughs> Just as we talk about it, like this, this is like an important episode. I think. Yeah, and and yeah, that's like with any revolutionary movement. It seems. I mean, I mean, like on a large scale, like overcoming political, uh, like a political revolution. Mm-hmm. It seems like taking down whoever the leader is is like one of the key points, right? Sometimes that's like the start, right? Mm -hmm. So like I was just reading a couple books on uh, the dictator Trujillo from the Dominican Republic and how, and one of the books, the the Feast of the Goat is mostly about the assassination story. So you have uh, this group of like five or six kind of ragtag. Some of them are in, uh, like on the inside, some of them aren't and they take him down, but it's in like a very rushed kind of um, like, half-assed way right like like mm-hmm. like they weren't really ready for it but they thought if we do this if we take him down and if we kill him everyone will be on our side revolution will happen things will be clean in the end right like we will mm-hmm. shift to the world that we want but the fallout was a lot different and it, it they realized it wasn't just about taking somebody down it's about like building uh, something up right like you have to tear down the whole structure. You can't just take down one person. It's not about mm-hmm. killing one person. And so the the rest of the book is like the ways that these assassins were tortured and killed uh, with only one remaining alive to a natural death. And it's like they they thought that the world they could create out of violence would be worth it. But in the end, and like some would say this was a precursor for some of the changes, but it did just usher in another time of kind of similar dictatorship. So it's like, I, I'm not trying to say that this is the story of the Dominican Republic, right, but it's right. just a, a curious thing. If, if, if like, is this an assassin story? Like, right. well, well, I don't know it, if you I know, want that. Yeah. And it know? makes you think about, I mean, in a tale of two cities, right at the end, he talks about, um, uh, Sidney Carton, when he's making his speech, he talks about, um, long ranks of new oppressor new oppressors risen on the destruction of the old like you know uh Camus talks about in the wake of world war ii how do we build a society where we become neither victims nor executioners like how do we how do we create a world like that because if you just take this group out and then you you do to them what they did to others you're it's just this cycle so yeah it's i mean this is heady stuff for thinking about avatar but like i really do think 
how how do they come to a resolution here? Now, here's the thing that excites me, is mm-hmm. that Avatar The Last Airbender is almost over. But I know that there's a whole other series based in this world in the future. So we know that this is not about creating perfection here mm-hmm. or something that's going to last for eternity, mm-hmm. which is kind of exciting because like, it means they're going to do their best, but their best is probably not, does not solve the problems of the world. Yeah. And even that, if you look at this story, like the reincarnation of the avatar is very similar to the idea that like we keep reliving the same things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we keep having the same human struggles over and over again. And we just hope that like more and more over time, we, be- we become better at making things uh, mm-hmm. more just and more peaceful in ways that maybe would include less injustice or violence or right. And mm-hmm. I feel like I love that it's the reincarnation cycle, uh, not just for Aang, but kind of for everything. For the world. Yeah. 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 Okay, uh, other questions, because we, we've been talking for a long time about this episode. I want to throw out some other questions that I have. Um, okay. Has Zuko fully turned? Uh, was the Day of Black Sun kind of his last temptation? Or, or like, 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 in this last five, six episodes, is there one more Zuko turn and turn again? Mm. I don't know. Uh, mm. I, I, I would be really surprised if there was any kind of temptation back. Um because I think the one thing that could tempt him would be love. And I don't think that May is that committed to the Fire Nation. <laughs> she's already shown she's already shown a revolutionary spirit in her. So Right. She um, might so, be in jail right now. Yeah, I think I is. think she is in jail right now. Yeah. Yes. Um is Katara done bloodbending? Mm. I don't know. I, I, I could imagine this is without them being ceremonious about it, this was the temptation for her. And she survived it. Because notice she doesn't even do bloodbending with Yan Ra. Yeah. Right? Or is bloodbending going to be a plot point in the last six episodes? Yeah. I have no idea. Either way, I'm sure that the flight on Appa after that was like a weird conversation between her and Zuko of like, so what what happened? Yeah. What was (laughs) that? that? (laughs) Uh, So, okay. I'm going to run through people as we, as we look at the last six episodes, people and things that we still need some, some things being addressed. Iroh. We need we need mm. some Iroh in the last six. White Lotus. Um I think Ursa at this point, like we we actually need more information. Maybe she's alive even. I I, I kind of hope she is. Um I, I would love that for Zuko's sake. Um Boomy, mm. the guru, the cave team. <laughs> Gotta know what happens to the cave team. <laughs> What if they? Ne- what if we never see them again and they're just in the cave for the rest of time? I mean, uh, I don't know that I would really be that upset. <laughs> no, except for Hakoda. Like, yeah, yeah, he's overqualified to be in the cave team. I think uh, the fire Fire Nation allies. I'm really curious because I actually do think I said I wasn't going to make predictions. I actually do think we're going to see a kind of insurgent revolution in with mm. from within the Fire Nation led by the Avatar and and friends. Um, May and Ty Lee. Uh, I, I'm fascinated where they are, what's happening to them. How do they get reinserted into this story? And then Azula, Ozai, and the Fire Throne. Like I said, I've already put my my uh, chip down on saying we're going to see Zuko as Fire Lord at some point. Um, I actually, I, I, I kind of wonder if we're going to see Azula as Fire Lord for a moment. Um, that would be exciting. Uh, 
I still think she has some Lady Macbeth in her, although she she has to be at that point she'd have to be both Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, but she contains multitudes, so I think that might work. Absolutely. All right, Annie, uh, you know what would make this very long episode even better? What? An interview. Yay! We have Avatar superfan Aseli Santano, who sat down with us for an interview. So let's just cut to that interview and talk to Aseli. That sounds great. All right. I am joined by Aseli Centeno, uh, who is a big Avatar fan. Sure. Yes. <laughs> so I remember, I think, not talking to you last year about this, but I think you... At the beginning of class one day, I was doing announcements, and you said something about Avatar. Did you just like sit in the front corner of lecture? I did. Oh, yes, I did. Oh my word, I remember that. I asked you if you were the professor who was doing the podcast yes. episodes. You had no idea who it was uh, at that point. No, and I was so excited, but then I realized I'm not. I don't even teach in this section, so I'm like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. So I thought I wish I knew who that person was, and then you applied to be a teaching assistant. So then we connected, and yes. I was like, you're the person. Yes, that so, was me. So we've been working on getting this interview for probably like five months since uh, since that About, interview. So, yeah. um, so. Uh, one of the things that we always like to talk about with people is sort of what is your avatar journey? Yeah. So like, how did you get started? Is this something you watched when you were a kid? Is this something you watched more recently? Right. So actually, um, I started watching it over quarantine, which I feel like is everyone's story for random episodes of series that they find. But um, one of my friends, actually, he introduced me to it. He was like, oh, there's this show. It's like called avatar the last airbender he's like you should watch it and i was like no no thank you because i was never i i had the i thought it was gonna be like kind of anime like Mm -hmm. leaning and i've never been into those kinds of shows you know um they're just not things that hook me um but i don't remember what it was but i just one time i was like okay like whatever like let's just watch the first episode just because he's my friend you know might as well connect with him in this way and so you watched like, it with a friend no i did not watch it oh, with okay. a friend. i watched it on behalf of my friend who was pleading to me to watch it um well i will tell you that is my exact story really, yeah, it's just okay. i was 43 years old when it happened <laughs> right but, but i had a friend who said oh it's really good and i said you know i've seen the like iconography yes, of the show yes, and it's like yes, this it is does. not for me yep. i kind of thought it looked dumb yeah yep yep <laughs> but then i started so so what was your initial impression what got you at what point did you feel like you were hooked in that's a really good question because okay so again this happened over quarantine many things happened over quarantine but i actually ended up binge watching it within two weeks two and a half weeks i think i know which is crazy i was up at ungodly hours of the morning but um yes so um i think what hooked me was i want to say it wasn't honestly the first episode Mm -hmm. i don't think like it hooked me enough where i was like like the next one like would i don't even i don't even remember does it end on a cliffhanger i don't even remember uh the first two are kind of like one long episode right because you're all in the southern water kingdom yeah i remember feeling like it it definitely doesn't start with a bang but it's like it's good enough to keep going right and and i've always been into like just water things in general i swam when i was younger for about 10 years and i was like ooh, water power is like 
this is kind of you know cool and you know there was you know like those questions where people are like if you could control one element mm-hmm. you know what would it be and for me it's always been water which i thought was really funny um so that that kind of piqued my interest and then once we started meeting more characters like Sokka and like um i don't even remember if we meet suki in the first season but yeah she's, she's like see, uh, episode four yes maybe? oh yeah, that's right yeah. where we meet all of the warriors yeah that episode i think is where i was like okay i'm gonna keep watching this series she's my favorite character so oh wow you're yeah, among I friends know, this is a very pro suki <laughs> yes. podcast so yeah 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 i think that would be it um there's really nothing else except for the fact that you know i just laid awake at night <laughs> watching avatar <laughs> and i mean i don't regret it but you know my circadian rhythm might. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I've had the, ex- because of this podcast, had the, ex- the exact opposite experience where I've watched it much more closely to the way it initially aired, like where I only get to watch whatever we're going to be recording. Right. So at most I watch two episodes at a time mm-hmm. because we'll sometimes record two in a week. Um, so what is it... What, what does the show feel like when you're consuming a season really rapidly? Because I've never experienced that. Yes. That was actually the first time I'd ever binge watched anything. So I don't know what that says about um, how much I was like hooked onto it. But it was kind of like reading a chapter book. Okay. Um, and when I was younger and had more time to be free, I read a lot. And that was kind of, it was like the, the TV version of just reading a book. Because I have read like a book that I really like, you know, in like a span of one, two, three days max, sure. you know? So it was just kind of like that. And, um, I pick up on things pretty quickly, um, like new information, I guess just in general. And so it wasn't too overwhelming, um, especially cause everything kind of flows after like, there's like the spare episode here or there where mm-hmm. it's like filler, but, um, yeah, it just kind of flowed and kind of like a chapter book. And I was like, okay. I mean, each season is literally like book one, book two, book three. So. Right, right. So do you do you feel like you have an entry point character where you're like, this is the character who's closest to either how I see the world or this is the character that I identify with? Oh my word, yes, absolutely. Okay, so I'm also, I also, I always have to ask like my friends because I never tend to like the questions where it's like describe yourself in like two words so i thought i was kind of like suki just in general um and then i asked my best friend and she actually hasn't seen it um and i'm working on getting her to watch it but she's very busy right now but um i sent her like a description i think from avatar wiki or something Mm -hmm. like that and i sent her a youtube clip and i was like is this me because i think this is me and she's like oh that is 100 percent you so yeah it's Suki. so what is it about suki Um, well, I just think she's very, um, I don't know. Have you, you haven't watched this episode yet, but okay. So the, the next, the one, um, not this one, but the next one, the one where the like. The Ember Island Island place. I have seen that. Okay. You have seen it. Okay. Our listeners maybe not have seen it. So no spoilers, but I've seen it. There's this one scene where she like gets all serious and she goes like. I like I can sneak into anywhere and then she and then she like flips to like being funny and she's like of course I got you you know so that's kind of um I think what kind of plays off of my humor like sometimes I can just like fake being serious just to like freak people out and they'll just be like no like I'll do that for you and then she's also like very like I think she's very much of a like dedicated she's like a go-getter and she's like very like protective 
I think, of her friends. Um, at least that's how I perceived it. Um, and I'm the same way. I'm very protective of my friends. And, and like, um, I just, I just, she's just so cool. Like, I, I don't think I am because I'm, I don't like, I mean, I think I'm cool, but like not Suki cool. Right. You know? Right. right. It's aspiration. <laughs> but yeah, though. I strive to be as cool as she is. You know what's funny is you and I both identified Suki from the uh, Warriors of Kiyoshi, which. So she appears there, and then you don't see her mm-hmm. for a, an entire season till the you know midway point of season two. But I kept talking about her. I kept. Right. I don't yeah. know what I, I have to go back and watch Warriors of Kiyoshi to figure out what was it about her that from yeah. the very beginning because oh, I love her I now, but it's like I don't know what was it there that pulled me in. Yeah, so I actually just remembered what it was. Um, it was her competition with Sokka. Um, because I'm a very competitive person, especially when it comes to like the male species. <laughs> um, I think I always want to like best them or just like, you know, be better than them at something and and when I have um like a certain thing that I am genuinely, you know, just gifted at and I know they're not. It's just really funny to watch them try to be like really good and like think they know everything and then like it's cool to it's I don't know. I, I think it's just funny to come in and be like, actually you have a lot to learn and, you know, I could teach you some things like I don't know, like I think a lot of my guy friends aren't good at volleyball and like I played in high school so I know a thing or two and, and like sometimes they'll be like, No, 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 I'm good, I got this and I'm like, Oh, okay like go ahead so i think that's kind of how i first identified with her yeah and that seems like a big theme in the show sort of the uh underestimating of Mm -hmm. people you know whether it's because of their gender because of their size because of their culture that that uh that that people are underestimated and then they show themselves to be something else oh yeah absolutely um so when we talked about doing this interview, we floated a couple episodes out mm-hmm. there, and you picked particularly the Southern Raiders mm-hmm. um, as one that you wanted to be on this episode for. What is it about this episode? Right. Um, I think I remember emailing back and forth. It was it was this one, and I think it was the second episode of the four part finale, um, which you're gonna love. If you haven't seen it yet, you're gonna I have love not it. seen you're it. You're gonna yet, absolutely. I love think this tonight I get to watch the first part. Okay. So yeah. Um, but anyways, about this specific one, um, I think it's very centered on like um, a little bit of like the psychology behind Katara and like she's learned how to bloodbend, mm-hmm. right? And and like part of you thinks that she's like never gonna use this, you know, because it's like it's Katara, you know, she's always been that like. I don't know, like the mother, the mom of the friend group, I want to say. Um, and you don't imagine her, you know, trying to just all be killer instinct. Um, but she ends up like actually initiating that like beginning stage of the bloodbending that she's learned, which she fully knows that like it will kill someone, you know. And and I just think it's it's really cool to like just like the psychology of it, like how did like what led her to be so so like blindly enraged that she could you know stoop to this low and like we know she's it's her mom right like right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's her mom and like um trying to figure out you know what happened to her trying to like get um vengeance or something on her behalf but um that's that's part of it um i i've always been into like so i've got a minor in psychology and just things like that um but the other side of it is the whole forgiveness aspect i think of this episode um that's something where like in my life uh, that's been a huge thing um that i've just had to practice over and over again with certain people in my life and and it's like the unconditional you know sense of forgiveness which we don't see katara having at first but you know it kind of eventually she 
she shows that she can attempt to forgive at least you know in one aspect she she forgave Zuko is what I really liked um and you know she hasn't forgiven the people who killed her mother um the I think he was a general Mm -hmm. but I just think it was cool to see that turnaround where she was like I can't forgive someone who you know um offended a person in my family or like or honestly just killed my mother and but I can forgive someone who has like offended and like done harm against my friends and myself because you know now i've spent time with you i've gotten to know you you know i can see the difference in you well i love that her choice is it's it's like at first it seems like either she forgives or she destroys this person right and she realizes well i don't have to forgive him but even if i don't forgive him that doesn't mean i have to become a monster myself right right like that she's trying to carve that middle ground and i'd love to talk to katara 20 years from now and yeah. be like well where are you at with yon ron now mm-hmm. like 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 now that you've had some time i also love the the you talked about blood bending mm-hmm. the fact that she you knew it had to come back right, right. you knew like yeah. yeah like why would you have this episode um and then not have it come back but that it did they didn't make a big deal about whether or not she was going to use it before you realized it she right. was doing yeah. it and yeah. she was doing it in the same way Hama did mm-hmm. she was doing it to get vengeance on the people mm-hmm. who killed the people she loved so it's really and they don't overplay that i, I noticed in i'm a big fan of the previously ons like oh, okay yes. what are the yep. things that they're that they're like seeding to get this episode going they did not show Hama or bloodbending oh, so okay. so it like doesn't so it, it kind of it surprises you and you realize oh she is started down this path and clearly in her head she's been thinking about this Mm -hmm. we haven't seen her express it but she's been thinking about this and to have her have that moment and then walk away and then realize she's still traumatized Mm -hmm. by this the trauma's not gone um that you know she still needs to wrestle with that and i'm curious to see i like that she still is on this arc as we move into the finale right we're still going to be thinking about that with her yeah for sure yeah I just, I think it was, it's also interesting, I think for me, just to, you know, you when you either mentor someone or you are mentored by someone, it's a lot of like, you reflect kind of the patterns and the teachings of that person. And so, you know, now that you mentioned it, I'm like, you, you're not, you're surprised, but you're also kind of not surprised, you know, because this is how she was taught, you know, and I'm not saying that she was justified in any means, but like. I thought that was interesting too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, before we started recording, we were talking about um, other other yes. uh, pieces of media that you're interested in, yes. and and so so you didn't grow up on Avatar. So what did you yeah. grow up watching? Was there any things that you've, as you look back on your life, you're like, oh, I was into that, and actually that ro- I can see why I like Avatar because I liked these other things. Oh my word, Veggie Tales. <laughs> I don't even know if that parallels, but I mean, I guess in a way, I know, I don't think you've talked about it a lot, which, you know, um, no reason you would, but like, there's a lot of like little like themes. I think, I think that's why I like this episode. Cause there's a lot of like little biblical themes throughout oh, sure. this one, especially like, I haven't seen it much in the other ones. Like if you, if you dig and you stretch, you know, you can find them anywhere, but I think a lot in this one. Um, and like veggie tales kind of waters down a, a lot of, cause obviously it's for little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the themes of like forgiveness and like, um, like pu- pushing through like adversity and things like that. Um, or just like 
the David and Goliath, like the little guy taking on the big guy. You know, I grew up with VeggieTales. I grew up with Dora. That really doesn't have anything to do with Avatar, but um, um, I don't know. I just, it's it's a good question because um, I'll, we, were, we were cleaning out our basement the other day and we came across a bunch of VCR. Is that they're called? VCR VHS, v- yeah. Oh my word. <laughs> it's an outdated media you're good so the vhs tapes and um there was like clifford the big red dog and like caillou and like dora and veggie tales and i was like was this my childhood because i mean nostalgic but also how different i think it was to most of the people i grew up with um yeah that's pretty much what i grew up on i can't really think of anything else. it's interesting to think about um you know you said well you know vol veggie tales but that's like aimed at a much younger audience and it is Right. But I've I've said this multiple times in this episode. I for some reason when I watched this one, I looked at the rating for Avatar and it's for seven year olds. Oh. Which is crazy. <laughs> no, I mean it's crazy to think like um for one thing, it's they're having pretty adult conversations well, about uh the sort of forgiveness in theory and in practice yes. and vengeance and, in theory yeah, and in and practice and, yeah. yeah and dealing with grief and trauma and all these things and it's interesting like they're either it is misrated right or it's like they're not afraid to say you know what kids actually can wrestle with this and actually kids are already wrestling well, with these things yeah so so i you know i this is not something i obviously saw when i was a kid because i was <laughs> right. in my 30s when this came out but and my kids didn't see this when they were younger, but they're yeah. really into it now. Especially my daughter is really into it now. But I would, I'd actually be really interested to see like a, you know, eight or nine year old, and like how do they respond to a show like yeah. this? Like, I'm wondering if some of these themes, obviously, some of these themes are going to go over their head. But I think some of the questions, yeah. in the same way, Veggie Tales is asking some, it genuinely is asking some big yeah. important questions. Yeah, for real. I think this is doing that as well. Mm-hmm. It's just embracing a darker grayer area sure yeah absolutely yeah i think that's good um i know a lot of shows that i'm watching now that like my friends grew up with and they watched when they were younger i'm watching it now and i I honestly think i'm getting a a richer experience not saying that like younger kids can't kind of like you were saying they probably get the like the questions but like with the themes and with kind of like the the nuances throughout uh, about those themes i just think that watching a lot of these shows as I or rewatching them when you're older is like very I think it's very recommended experience for a lot of people because you'll pick up on more things. So now that uh, the, at least the, the the dream of Avatar Studios is potentially up and running and we may get more sort of expanded universe type things uh, in the Avatar world. Is there a story you'd love you'd like to see fleshed out? Wait, what do you wait? What do you mean, Avatar Studios? Oh, that's, they, yeah, like like there. I, I can't remember if it's if it's Netflix oh, or, but like oh, there's yes. there are plans to oh. roll out more things oh. in this world. Oh yes, I think I heard that mentioned once. Is there really like live action or like uh, both? I oh. think yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Scared. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm scared by live action because what I'm scared by is just let's redo something we already have. Right. But like if but is there is there a as you think about this series, is there is there an edge in the series? You'd be like, oh, I'd love it to like just go down that path or yeah. explore this or yeah. Um, can we get a Stuki backstory, like of like how she ended up actually with the Kyoshi, like there or like just their leader 
yeah. like how that happened you know or like just how like she got further adventures of the kiyoshi yes, warriors would too. be really yeah. fun i mean I, my, mine is that i want like a kiyoshi series yes, like you yes, know avatar kiyoshi we can go back in time mm-hmm. and because the one time we get to see her is in the is the avatar day episode yeah um and like I'm totally on board. I I was so interested in Kiyoshi mm-hmm. then and then or before then and then to see that it's like mm-hmm. oh she's kind of amazing. Right. Let's just right. give me give me 20 episodes of this and I would be really really happy. Yes. There's okay and then there's okay so the last 4 episodes of this series opens up I don't want to say a lot of doors because, I mean, in a sense, it does also bring closure to a mm-hmm. lot of things. But they're kind of like with every season finale or just series finale. There are like little things which I won't say, mm-hmm. but there are like avenues you can pick um, out of the, the last four episodes that I think would be really interesting to roll with. Um, and I think another thing that and you you know who the white lotus are right not well, the, not well, the not the members but i know like that the i know that there is something it is some kind of group yeah, that's okay, all that i okay. know yeah yeah because because like that'd be really cool too just to kind of after you know what it is all about i think it'd be really cool to just um section off even just you know groups of it and that didn't give anything no that didn't no, give you're good anymore. you're no, good yeah, yeah yeah so um I'm being very ambiguous yes. right now <laughs> So, so to close, I'm going to ask you two questions. So, uh, if you love you love Avatar, what's what is something else that you've watched or been watching where you're like, if you like Avatar, you might like this. Ooh, that's a really good question because I don't. I'm trying to think of like anything that I have watched. I have a very diverse cinematic taste. So like I think I mentioned before we started recording is that I just got my mom hooked on um, the Marvel films, Mm -hmm. but I don't really, I mean, they're not really related. Um, Well, but but it's a kind of serialized storytelling and it's world building. I mean, it's the thing that Avatar does really well is they world build exceptionally well. Right. And and then like, I'm also into like cop shows, but that does not, I mean, you could no that doesn't tie in <laughs> i was like you could try but no i'm i'm all over the place so i don't know if i could give you a specific um thing except for anything that has to do with young children building their own realms and having powers so there we go there we go so uh we'll get you out on this question you talked about how you um were initially drawn to the water tribe uh mm-hmm. wh- what is your what is your your tribe kingdom empire yes Okay, so I was initially drawn to the Water Tribe, but honestly, I okay, this, this is going to sound, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I'm just going to say it. I kind of want to be an avatar, but like, because I want to do all that. four of them. Um, but if I had to choose, it would be um, between water and fire, um, which is why I'm saying I, sh- I want to be an avatar, because I want to learn all of them. But um, I See, I don't think you should backpedal from that answer. Okay. I think that's okay. like a cool okay. answer. Okay. That that's that's Because nobody says that. Everybody's like, well, I think I'm this or I would this. But to be like, no, I think well, I'm, I want to do I'm, all I'm of avatar. them. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Like, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last the last uh, couple weeks as yeah, we've been working sure, together. Sure. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say this about everyone, but like, Okay. Avatar I Sully. I'm, right. I'm, I'm here right. for that. Right. In fact, that's the expanded universe show I want to yes. see. Yes. Oh my word, that'd be so cool. I wonder. I don't even know. I need a sidekick. I need an animal sidekick. Yeah. Like, yeah. Would I keep Momo or would he just move on? Is the question. <laughs> <laughs> or Appa? No, Appa needs to stay with. Aang. So, so if they okay, if they made 
an Avatar Iceli series, would you want it to be in the past or the future relative to Avatar The Last Airbender? Oh. Because there's hundreds of years in the past, but it could also be something in the future. So are you, is Aang part of your past or are you part of Aang's past? Okay. Uh, full disclosure, and I know we're running out of time, but this is enough. <laughs> I don't really like Aang. <laughs> but, sure. um, so I'd rather him be, um, part of my past so that I don't feel responsible for how oh, he sure. ended up. I mean, he's doing great. Okay. Like he's gotten better, but I really did not like him at all. Like <laughs> first two seasons, I was like, child, you need, you have a world to save. I understand you're a child, but you have a world to save. But, um, yeah, so he'd be part of my past and I would be in the future. I'm yeah. totally here for that. Yes. Okay. I'm totally okay. here for that. I Sally, this was so much fun. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, that was a great interview. Uh, so much fun to talk with her. Uh, this is maybe clocking in at one of our longest episodes of all time. Uh, we're definitely well over the two-hour mark at this point. I'm tired. It's the end of the day for me. You're tired. It's the beginning of the day for you. I shouldn't say you're tired. Are you tired? Uh, I'm feeling better now. Okay, all right. You've, you've thought through some big ethical dilemmas, things like that. Ready to that start is, my day. Yeah. That's right. That is all the time we have. Um, we will be back next week with book three fire chapter 17 the ember island players <laughs>